So next Wednesday, October 23rd, we're going to bring it to you live. Multifamily Foundation Podcast is ready to launch. Imagine if you could not fail. If the foundation of your multifamily business had a blueprint that was built by the best. Well, this is what the Multifamily Foundation Podcast gives you. We're going to bring you actionable content with tools to strengthen your multifamily business. From finding deals to raising money to asset management, we will give you a formula for success. Now, this comes with entrepreneurship. It comes with lifestyle. It comes with building yourself so you're ready to take down whether it's a four unit or a $25 million deal. We're going to bring you the resources to make that happen. Are you ready to build your foundation? If you are, listen in. Let's do this. This is the Real Estate Foundation, your show for massive action with proven results. Raise your life and your legacy with real estate. So before we dive into the show, we wanted to say thank you so much to all the listeners out there. It's always great to have you dive in with us on all these great topics we were to have able to have. And if you want to hear more about us, go to yourusiholdings.com. You can find everything about us from projects we're working on, more about our team members, how we break it up, and all the resources we offer. And if you want to invest, learn more about investing with us there. Also, make sure to check out our multifamily meetup if you're local here in New Jersey. We run the New Jersey Multifamily Investment Meetup, and it happens to be every second Tuesday of the month uh, here in North Central Jersey. So if you're in Pennsylvania, New Jersey, New York, make sure to check it out. And lastly, if you want to learn more about investing in apartment buildings, go to multifamilyfoundation.com. All right, check out the show. Hello again. Welcome back. Thanks for back. Thanks for checking in with us. Happy to be here. Happy to have you with us. And of course, if you like, please go over to iTunes, give us a ratings and review. It doesn't have to be five stars. We just want to hear what you like, hear what's working, and hear what we can do better. But today we got a super awesome guest for you. Excited to have Brian Page on the show. Hey Brian, how you doing? Hey, what's going on, Jason? Well, I'm doing great, and I'm excited to jump in and learn more about you. And so here's a little bit about Brian. He's became a millionaire in his 20s as a residential real estate investor, only to lose it all in a historic crash of 2008. Starting over with no credit or the ability to buy property, Brian discovered a way to use other people's properties to earn income. He went on to make six figures in six months and over 300000 in his first year renting and listing properties on Airbnb. So crazy. I mean, we, we've talked slightly on this before, but I'm looking forward to diving that. And he honestly realized that no one at that time was teaching to how to build and scale an Airbnb business. And Brian created a training called the BNB Formula. And his masterclass is now the world's best-selling Airbnb training. He's taught thousands of people from 38 countries how to build a six and seven-figure Airbnb business. And with several students now making over a million dollars in bookings. Wow, Brian. So that's awesome, man. Fill, fill in the gaps. What did I miss? <laughs> what'd you miss oh man it's been a journey um you know i'm still a real estate investor and i know your audience everybody listening and watching is real estate investors so i love talking about real estate um this is a kind of a, a an alt, alternative play i guess you could say a, a a way to uh what i call house hack and um there's a way to do it at scale which is what most people don't realize with home sharing you know, when you say doing that scale, because I, I guess one of the things that's always talked to me is that if you're going to go out there and, and have to maybe convince people to let you do it at home, you know, it's a, it's a slow, you know, meticulous, methodical process where you have to talk to one person and the next and maybe slowly gain speed, but there's no real way to scale. So, so convince me differently. Um, no, it is. It is a slow, methodical thing, but you don't need very many properties to, to get 
start earning serious income. So I'll give awesome. you an example. Um, uh, I have a lot of students that are doing over $100,000 net. And on average, they have four to six properties. That's it. So uh, a real estate play where you can get four to six units, do over a hundred grand net. I don't know many ways you can do that. You can't do that with, by buying a fourplex or buying, buying a six unit apartment building mm -hmm. uh, to make that kind of money. And um, so it's tremendously profitable with very few number of units. And, um, and of course, somebody just wants to make a couple extra thousand dollars a month. It's super easy to do as well. Just want to make a little side hustle income. Yeah, that's awesome. And, and how important is it, one, the market, and second, being local to that market? Uh, well, markets, you know, just like anything, real estate is still location, 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 even with short-term rentals. Um, the good thing about Airbnb is it works in large cities, small towns, medium-sized towns. It works, it works in non-tourist areas. It surprisingly works just about everywhere that there's hotels. Because anywhere there's a hotel, there's people staying short term and those mm -hmm. people, some people choose to stay in Airbnbs instead. So it works just about everywhere. It's the key is to find the right location in the particular metro area or town that you're looking in. And there's some tricks to doing that. But you want to find the best location in your town. But, uh, but yeah, we have students in, in, in all kinds of places all over the world that are doing mm. quite well. What makes one location better than the other? Um, well, that depends on the, the type of visitor that you have. So I live in a tourist area. I'm in Charleston, South Carolina. I get a lot of tourist travelers, but I also get a lot of people that are coming here to, uh, that are going to the large employers like Boeing is here, which opened a Boeing plant a few years ago. Huge number of people moving here for that, for jobs and they need a place to stay temporarily. Um, there are people in places like, um, let's say Austin, for example, that go to the, uh, the racetrack there and they're traveling there to go to the racetrack or they're going to, um, you know, to a conference center, uh, Airbnb started with co uh, convention centers in San Francisco. That was, that was the type of traveling they were catering yeah. to. So there's, there's family reunions. I've got students that have places in rural areas where they, they only target people that want to do weddings because they're right next to a wedding venue, a huh. big ranch. And so they want to, there's no hotels out there. So they cater to those kind of travelers. So it really depends on what kind of traveler that you're catering to. That's the kind of property you're going to look for. So if you're in a tourist area, you want to be locating your properties as close to the tourist area as possible or as close to the beach as possible. If you're going to be, um, you know, in Atlanta catering to the people going to the convention center, you want to be right next to the convention center. So it's totally dependent on who you're targeting for that property. How do you protect yourself from, I, I guess we'll say local state or government interference or, or what's that hedge? Mm -hmm. That's a good question. So Airbnb is a disruptor, a lot like Uber. Uber was shut out of San, uh, not San Francisco, out of Vegas and certain cities would not allow Uber. And now Uber is kind of winning those places and it's kind mm -hmm. of everywhere. Well, Airbnb is the same thing. It's disrupting the hotel industry. And so there's some cities that hotel industry is very, very powerful. We're talking like New York City, San Francisco, some of the larger cities where um, it's, it's virtually impossible to do Airbnb in those cities, what I call red cities. But that doesn't mean you can't do it around those areas. I have students in all of the major metro areas that are killing it, and they're just doing it around outside those areas. So hmm. I'll give you an example. Um, Atlanta, Georgia. Atlanta proper downtown is technically not allowed to do short-term rentals. Does that stop people? No. Some people do it anyways. But people that are in Atlanta, like my students, they just do it in the metro areas surrounding Atlanta, which is made up of like 15 or 20 different little towns. So they do it in those areas. And um, generally, based on the research we've done, nine out of 10 towns and cities in the US, 90% of them allow home sharing. So if you happen to be in one of those areas, that's one out of 10, you just go where it's allowed. The same way in any kind of real estate, you can't, you can't open a hair salon in a residential neighborhood because it's not zoned correctly. 
You also can't go live in, a, in an office building because it's not zoned correctly. It's the same thing with Airbnb. Some areas are not the right zones and some are. So I just teach people how to look for the right area, the right town within a, say, a 40, 30, 40 minute drive of where they live and start there. You know, the thing that came to my mind was, was people that work so much that they're basically living at their office anyway, even though it's not legal, just in a point. And this is, this is the entire approach to get away from that. Yeah, people are always so, like, Brian, it doesn't work here. It doesn't work there. I'm like, yeah, yeah just like any real estate. It doesn't yeah. work everywhere, but that does, shouldn't stop you from seeing the opportunity and taking advantage of it. And uh, I got students in, in Manhattan and they're killing it, but they're not in Manhattan doing Airbnb because it's so difficult. They go across the river to, to New Jersey. Actually. There I am, where I am. So take me through... Um, I'll ask a question. Don't know if you have a metric for it. So if I was going to do this and say, I want to make this hundred thousand net sounds awesome, right? And I need four yeah. or six properties. Is there a, a percentage to how many days or, or I need rented per year per month? And, and what's that break even number per day I have to be at? Sure. Well, that's going to vary property to property, but there, I have some real concrete numbers I can give you. For example, um, there's a company called air DNA and air DNA takes all the data from Airbnb, puts it into these nice, uh, convenient little reports and you can order a report for any zip code in the country. And it's very detailed. It tells you basically it's like a CMA tells you what you can probably get on that property and you pay for these reports. Mm -hmm. Um, but the, re it basically breaks down this, this company probably has more data than any other company. And I, I know the CEO of this company and I asked him this question one time what is the average occupancy rate for Airbnb listings? And he said 63%. Hmm. So on average, uh, an Airbnb will be filled 63% of the time, which sounds really low, but even at 63%, you can be profitable. Um, in fact, you can, you can still be making money that, that, at that level. Now, my students get 80% plus. I can get up in the 90s. I have some students that are getting in the 90s. And that's a tremendous amount of uh, uh, difference between the 60s. So I'll give you an example. Let's say it's a $1,000 rental and you're at 63%, you might make 500 or $800 a month after expenses on that unit every month. But if you're in the 80 or 90%, you could be making 1500 or two grand on that property every month on a one bedroom, for example. Hmm. Now that's going to vary depending on, you know, if you're in a town where rentals are $500 a month for one bedroom, your yep. numbers are going to be lower. Um, so uh, the short answer is it's all about occupancy and it's all about what you charge. And sometimes you can actually charge less per day and fill your calendar and make more than the guy who has high prices on this unit. So I tell people you want to play around and see what the marketplace will bear and try to fill your calendar up. It's the same thing hotels do. It's the same thing airlines do. They constantly adjust the prices in order to fill those seats. And that's what we do with Airbnb. I love it. And so what are some of the, the, the red flags or some of, the, some of the hurdles that a lot of people who try short-term rentals or Airbnb fail at that you just see over and over and over again that people need to avoid? Um, I would say that most people are going and buying properties. I have nothing, I have nothing against buying properties. I think it's, it's something you should do to build wealth. It's a great thing, but they go in and they buy a property without knowing anything about Airbnb or what the best place is to do it. And they put down 20% because it's not owner occupied. And so now they're in with all this money. Now they got to furnish mm -hmm. it. You know, it's a lot of money. Why would you do all that when you could just sign a lease on a place pay the first month's rent and deposit and be in it and immediately start making money the, the next day. So I have a student, a one-on-one -on -one student I was just talking to a couple days ago. He's, he actually got permission from the owner to get into the property a few days before his lease began. So he hmm. got into the property, he furnished it entirely with furniture that he had and some, some used pieces he bought, a couple thousand dollars, furnished it. Now he has it listed, he had it listed October 1, which is a couple days ago, uh, listed the day his lease began, he had it listed on Airbnb and he's already bringing in bookings. So that's kind of what I teach is kind of hit, get ahead of the game. Um, so that's one of the mistakes people make. The other mistake is 
is thinking that you have to even sign a lease to do this because you don't. You can actually partner with the owner. And partnering with the owner is super sexy because then you're not committing yourself to a year. You're not making any legal, legal obligation to pay the rent long term. Now, people say, why would anybody do that? Why would an owner do that? Well, uh, I'll just uh, role play it real quick. So, Jason, mm -hmm. let's say you have a, a unit on the market. I like to use round numbers. So let's say it's a $1,000 unit. You have it listed on, uh, on the MLS or you have it on Craigslist or something like that. And I call mm -hmm. you up. Hey, I want to come check out your property. I meet with you and I say, hey, Jason, you're asking $1,000 a month, but I think you should be earning about 1500 on this unit. If I could show you a way to make $1,500 a month on it without any extra work on your part, no extra liability, none of that, would you be interested? And no commitment long-term. We'll just do a month to month. And Jason's like, yeah, tell me. Tell me more. Yeah, so exactly. I'd say, okay, good. Well, I'm going to take your property. I'm going to photograph it. Uh, I'm going to put it on Airbnb tomorrow or in the next couple of days, and we're going to split everything that we make above the $1,000. So you make more cash flow. You're not doing anything. I'm managing it all. I get cash flow, which is great. Now, granted, I make less than if I leased it, but there's no risk. I can get into it month to month. And if, I, if, if your property is a furnished property, now we're really talking because I don't have to come up with the furnishings either. Hmm. And there are furnished properties out there you can do this with. And so that is a killer game right there. It's, it's, it's essentially a real estate play where you can create cash flow immediately from an asset that you don't own without any financial investment into it. So I don't know many things you can do, do that in real estate. Yeah, second. So uh, of your students yourself, wh what do you do? do you, what's the percentage that does leases and what percentage does partnerships? And which would you prefer noting you can make more income on one side with more risk or less income with less risk? You know, I've never quantified it. When I hmm. got started teaching this, I only taught people to do leases because I didn't hmm. see the leases as a risk. I just knew that, that everything I leased was making more on Airbnb. So I was just leasing as many as I could. But then I saw students that were like, eh, I don't want to do that. I don't feel comfortable. So I started kind of looking into what my students were doing and they were actually doing the partnership model. And so I started teaching that and doing that myself. So it totally depends on your risk tolerance. If you have zero dollars, your broke is a joke, then you should probably mm -hmm. go the, the partnership model. Um, but if you're a traditional real estate investor, like most people listening, to come up with five grand to throw into an Airbnb, that's nothing in the real estate world. That doesn't, that's just so little money. You know, I'm talking about a $5,000 investment as an example that could make you $1,500 a month for as long as you control that property. That's a good investment. Yeah. Um, and it might cost less than five grand. If it's a furnished a studio and it's one, it's a grand a month, you're looking at two grand to get into it. Um, so it's, it can be very cheap. Yeah. So metros, let's say, uh, and again, like it's going to be site specific, but I'll just ask because you, you brought up a studio. Is yeah. there better performing sizes of units and, uh, you know, one bedrooms versus, you know, three bedrooms? Is there better performing properties that people really should target? Like, okay, let's say New Jersey. I'm because I'm, I you can't yeah. really talk to them. Let's say New Jersey. I'm New Jersey. I'm within range in New York City. Should I be, would, would you say looking for a three bedroom is more beneficial or, or looking for a studio because it's more dynamic, which is more beneficial. It so depends on the market. And I only know the few markets that I'm in. I'm in three different States right now. Mm. And so for example, in South Carolina, I'm, I like to focus on studios, one bedrooms, like smaller units. I do have some single families here, but then uh, over in Arizona, I'm doing very, very large, like multi-million dollar uh, single families. So big, big single families, luxury properties, but that's the market. It's Scottsdale, Scottsdale's luxury, it's high end. So it depends on the market that you're in. But I always tell people start small. There's, there's very little that can go wrong by starting small. And also your, your cost to get in is very, very low to get a studio in just about any place. I mean, maybe mm -hmm. big cities, it costs more. But relatively, the cheapest thing you can get is a studio 
or a one bedroom. So why not start there? And if you, and if you don't feel comfortable starting there, start with a room uh, or start with something non-traditional. This is really cool. I've got students that are taking Airstream trailers or RVs. They don't, mm -hmm. don't, they don't even own these things. And they rent them for 200 a month. They turn around and make 1500 or $1,800 a month on Airbnb with them. So, so you, can do that with air, you can do that with Airstreams. You can do that uh, with yachts. I mean, there are so much money to be made in boats and yachts. Um, and you just get permission from the owner. These boats are sitting there 99% of the time anyways, not being used. So there's, there's money in alternative things. There's money in, in tree houses, yurts. I mean, all kinds of small, uh, tiny homes are huge. Yeah. They're very profitable. So there's all, you know, the sky's the limit. Anything you can sleep in just about, you can put on Airbnb and monetize. So that, and you can do it with, with things you don't own as well. So, um, so for those that are listening, the real estate investors, you should try converting a few units over to short term if you haven't already. And those of you who uh, want to get going fast and you don't, you're not a real estate investor currently, you can jump into the game without really much money out of pocket. That's incredible. And so a few other questions and uh, before we appreciate your time. Um, ultimately, when, you, when, you, when you're thinking about this from a wide perspective, it, how active do you have to be? Are you, I would assume you've, you've pretty much systemized this to the point that you've been able to step yourself out of this. Would I be correct? Mm -hmm. Good question. So when I first get, got started, I got to about four, maybe five listings and I quit my job. I was working a 50 hour week job in the tech industry. Quit the job, was living off the listings, was making more from those listings, which was great. But um, I was going crazy because what I was doing is what I was running a hotel, the hotel where all the rooms are all spread out mm. over the town. And running a hotel is not something I ever really wanted to do. And, and I didn't, you know, I didn't realize that when you have all these Airbnbs, you now have to answer people's questions. You got to get them more towels when they run out of towels. You got to clean the units after they leave. You got to check them in, check them out, you know, give them discounts if they want a discount or help them book the property. There's all these things, right? So what I came up with was realizing that all the things I was doing were just repetitive, uh, mundane tasks that I could outsource to someone else. Yeah. So I came up with the concept of a virtual front desk. And nowadays there are services you can hire online that will charge you a few points on whatever you make, you know, a few percentage points on, on your income to manage everything for you, including communicating with the cleaning company and all that kind of stuff. Um, or you can hire a VA, a virtual assistant, which I love because they're so cheap now. It doesn't even have to be somebody in the U S it can be somebody overseas. There are VAs that specialize now in Airbnbs. That's all they do. Hmm. So you can pay somebody five, 10 bucks an hour for a few hours a day to manage your listings. And now you can step back. And I'd rather make 95 cents on every dollar and not do anything than 100 cents on every dollar and do it myself. And, and so it frees me up to do one thing and one thing only, which is to look at more properties to acquire or yep. to control. And so that's, that's it. So yeah, so the answer is I was able to literally work the four-hour work week, and I still do, mm -hmm. um, managing all of these properties uh, because I have systems in place. And that's really what I teach is not just mm -hmm. how to go find the properties, but how to automate it. Because once you get these properties, you don't want to start another job you know, a lot of entrepreneurs, a lot of real estate investors, we don't have the time to go manage a bunch of these things. So we got to find a way to automate all of it. And that's what I teach. Is it too late to get started? No, it's not too late to get started. <laughs> um, this is a big misconception. So everybody's heard of Airbnb, at least in the US, overseas, not so much. But the interesting thing is that right now, according to the book, The Airbnb Story, which is somewhere on my bookshelf behind here, it's a book about Airbnb. There are about a million people a week signing up to use it for the first time. So hmm. just let that sink in for a second. A million new users per week are signing up to use Airbnb who have never used it before. And although the awareness of Airbnb is quite high, 
the number of people who have actually used it is very, very low. So it's still not reached maturity and there's still a massive opportunity. Uh, and the number of people that are signing up to use it for the first time is still way exceeding the number of hosts that want to host on the site. So there's an opportunity in the US, there's a massive opportunity overseas hmm. uh, right now. Airbnb is just on fire uh, outside the US. And so there's opportunity um, everywhere. And especially in the secondary markets. And by that, I mean smaller towns, secondary towns, not the major metro areas. Those are the places, I had somebody email me just yesterday and they said, Brian, there is not a single Airbnb listing in my town. Is that good or bad? I was like, that's really good. That's yeah. a good thing. Trust me, when you list your first property, you are going to be pleasantly surprised because it's the only option in there. And there are people, even in a town of 5,000, 10,000 people, there are people going there that need a place to stay. So, um, so yeah, so, so no, it's not too late. It's a great opportunity. And uh, I think everybody should get in on this. Great. What's your, what's your five-year plan here? Five-year plan. Um, well, I am now buying properties again. After the crash, I did not want to buy properties. I only wanted to lease properties, but I am getting back into buying now. Um, I don't like debt, so I like to pay cash for properties. But the cool thing is I'm able to do it now where I can pay a property off in two to three years, which sounds crazy, but it's <laughs> I'm not exaggerating. You can pay a property off in two or three years. Uh, I'm buying lower income, cheaper properties. I'm paying them off extremely quickly, and then I have that income source for life. And you can only do that with short-term rentals. You can't pay something off that quickly otherwise. So, um, so we're talking about a house that I can buy for 45000 renovate it for another forty. I got eighty-five, ninety into it, and it makes $40,000 a year or $50,000 a year, which is insane, but that's what I'm doing. So, um, so I'm doing that and getting into the luxury market, which is a whole other uh, rabbit hole we can talk about. The luxury market is fascinating. And, um, and just scaling and, and looking at picking up a bunch of properties in Florida, um, a whole portfolio of properties. And so that's what I do. It's been great. And I teach people, which is a, my, my other business. Awesome. Got a couple short, quick uh, questions for you. What, yeah. What's the best uh, advice you've ever received? Wow. The best advice I've ever received. Oh, man. First thing that um, comes to mind. I would say seek out wise counsel. I, that, that, that's kind of broad, but that goes way above beyond business. Any, before you make any decisions, seek somebody who's wise to yeah. find out what they have to say. And I always have done that in my business and my life. So seek wise counsel. <laughs> Absolutely agree. Wait, what's your real estate superpower? Real estate superpower. Wow. I guess it would be uh, property hacking. Just what we just talked about. That's my superpower. Property hacking and teaching others how to do it. More importantly, it doesn't, it doesn't matter what I've done. Nobody cares what someone else has done. They only care what you've been able to, the results you've been able to get for other yeah. people. And I think if you can teach somebody else to do what you've done, and by the way, I have students that have far exceeded me in income on Airbnb, which is incredible. Yeah. That's what I want to point to is that other people are doing it. People with no experience. Um, I mean, I've got a, a girl who's 24 years old. She's a former bartender. She just cracked half a million a year on Airbnb. I got a kid who's 20 years old in Chicago. He's about to hit $700,000 a year. Hmm. He's collect. I mean, I mean, it's crazy. People in their seventies that had no real estate experience are crushing it. So there's huge opportunity here, and that's what I really get jazzed about is helping other people. I love it. What, what, what's a setback uh, that happened in your real estate career that at the time seemed horrible, but, but turned out to be a blessing in the growth of your career? The biggest one was what you mentioned earlier: the real estate crash of '08. I, I was a multimillionaire in my twenties, and I lost my entire portfolio um, in 2008. I was highly leveraged and I was, uh, I was in the speculative real estate market, uh, building um, new construction properties, high end. And that, that, yeah. that wrecked me. And I think we're good, you know, we might be going through another downturn in the near future with real estate. I don't, I don't know, but 
I think that could be a good thing for Airbnb because people will choose Airbnb over the more expensive hotels and, sure. and be looking to monetize their homes and make money from their homes. So yeah, renter nation, um, it's going to keep moving. So yeah, exactly. Brian, this has been awesome, man. Um, so tell us, uh, you have a book coming out. Talk to us about the book and then tell us the best place to find you. Sure. So right behind me here uh, is my book. It's, uh, it's a thin book, but it basically goes through my whole story. It, it breaks down all the numbers. It's very, very specific telling you how much I made on each property, how I acquired them, hmm. the whole story in detail for those that like details. And it's uh, how to become financially independent on Airbnb. And you can go to brianpagebook.com. Uh, brianpagebook.com. Just pay for shipping and I'll get it in the mail to you in the next couple of days. Um, and check that out and um, you can learn more about what I do. If you want to follow me um, online, it's bpagester is my social handle. That's B-P-A-G-E-S-T-E-R, bpagester. And my course, my training is called B&B Formula, like Airbnb. So B-N-B formula.com. And you can check that out there and see what that's all about if you have more interest in learning. About awesome. Life. Books live? Books out? Books out. Yeah, you can go get Sweet. it right now. We, you know, we'll send it to you first class mail in the next couple of days. You'll get it in the, in the mail and check it out. And uh, it'll just break down exactly how I do it because we just kind of glossed over the, the formula right now, but that's yeah. going to it. Brian, thanks so much for coming on the show. Super appreciate your time. Awesome story. Thanks, Jason. I enjoyed it. Appreciate it. Thank you. And all the listeners, thank you. Thanks for checking back in with us. We'll talk to you shortly. Bye now. Mm-hmm.